violation of reasonable expectation. It happens to you. It's happened to you, I'm almost certain. It's happened to me. I will be walking through a mall and I will see somebody I know. And I am certain that they will see me and acknowledge me and recognize me and they walk toward me and they almost begin to walk by me and they still haven't spoken and I'm waiting to see if they'll speak. When I realize they're not going to speak, that I'm not as recognizable as I thought I was, I'll speak their name and they'll stop. And they'll say, oh, Greg, it's you. I didn't recognize you. You're, you're not in uniform. You're not standing up there with your, your robe on. And you're not standing in the place that I normally see you. And I wasn't expecting to see you here. And I usually respond with something uh, that I think is clever anyway, like, well, you know, preachers go shopping from time to time also. It happens. It happens in restaurants. I was in uh, Einstein Brothers where I eat breakfast almost every morning about a couple weeks ago, and one of the members of our church walked by me. And I, uh, they didn't acknowledge me, and I uh, was looking the other way, and, and I thought I recognized him. But he didn't look like he normally looks. He's normally like dressed up and everything. And he walked by, and, and uh, I didn't speak. And, I, and I, in my mind, I'm saying, I, I, I think I know that guy. And uh, as I got up to leave and I turned and looked to the, to the back of the restaurant, I realized I do know that guy. I recognize him. Violation of reasonable expectation. People that are in a different context than we expect or something that we are expecting to happen happens differently than we imagined. I've never had a problem with this part of the story where Mary Magdalene doesn't recognize Jesus. After all, she came to the tomb expecting to complete the burial ritual. She came to help prepare Jesus' body, she had to suspend that process because of the impending, the coming of the Sabbath. And so she comes to the tomb bright and early on Easter Sunday with a specific task in mind. She's going to finish what she didn't get to do after Jesus' crucifixion and death. And he's not there, the tomb's empty. She wonders what happened. Who wouldn't? And when she's confronted, when Jesus, uh, she sees Jesus and thinks he's the gardener, that doesn't bother me. Violated her sense of reasonable expectation. That wasn't supposed to be Jesus. She already knew or had the expectation of what was going to happen. Violation of reasonable expectation. Fred Craddock, a beloved uh, teacher, 
preacher uh, in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, a great uh, professor of homiletics, of preaching at Emory University, Candler School of Theology, I passed away just about three weeks ago. One of the stories that, that I heard him tell frequently was about one of his students who had this, this uh, moment of violation of reasonable expectation. He was called to the hospital, student pastor. Hadn't made this kind of call before. One of his uh, parishioners was near death had but two or three days to live. He had never been called upon in this small church in his early, early ministry. This is the first time that he had been called to that kind of circumstance, to go pray with somebody who he had been told was not expected to live much longer. So he had in mind what he was going to do when he entered the hospital. He went to her room. He found her in the bed. She appeared to be very weak, very frail, He was quite nervous. He asked her, what would you like me to pray? And she said, I want you to pray that I'll get well, of course. I want you to pray that I'll be healed. And racing through this student pastor's mind is all the information that he's already received that she's not going to get well. But... Not knowing what else to do, he reluctantly granted the request. And he began to mumble some words and, and pray for her healing and, and very hurriedly finish the prayer with quick uh, amen and, and squeezed her hand. And, and when he did, he noticed that, that she squeezed his hand very firmly. And then Uh, opened her eyes and she said, I think this might have worked. I feel a lot better. She raised her hands. She became very animated. She threw her feet over the side of the bed. She stood up. I feel better. I think this worked. The student pastor, with an astonished look on his face, hurriedly left the room and ran past the nurse's station and said, you better go down to 120. There's something going on down there. He ran out to his car. He banged, started to bang his head on the the steering wheel of the old Chevrolet that that he drove. And and then he looked up to the heavens and he said, Lord, Lord, don't let that ever happen to me again. (laughs) Violation of reasonable expectation. I had a similar experience when I was in seminary. I was in a clinical pastoral education class. Uh, Part of that class uh, was an accountability session that we always had. And the group that you were in, uh, folks were supposed to share, share their experiences from the past week, whether it was a counseling experience or a pastoral visit of some, some sort but they were supposed to recount that to the group, and the group was supposed to react and interact with that experience. One of my classmates had had a a very similar call, call to the hospital, uh, a person that was near death. And he went into the the room. Doctors had already told him, the nurses had already told him that the woman was, was very close to death, and he began to 
to uh, pray with her. She had expressed similar, a similar sense. Pray, pray for my healing is all that she was able to say. And the young man was, was very disturbed by that request because he had the information already that she was not going to make it. She was going to die. So he really didn't know what to pray. And as he was recounting the experience to the group, he said, I don't know. I don't remember what I prayed. Uh, I mumbled. I'm not even sure that she heard me. It was very awkward. It was very difficult. I just didn't know how to respond to this woman's request. And so I prayed. But I can't tell you what I prayed. And, and I left. And our professor... Uh, Dr. Richard Hester said, said these words to him. He said, well, why did you have such a difficult time praying? And he said, well, I already knew what was going to happen. I had already been told what was going to happen. And it just didn't seem right uh, to, to pray for something that I knew, knew wouldn't occur. Healing. And Dr. Hester said to him, why did you give her up to the doctor? Why didn't you trust God in God's healing? In whatever way God chose to make that happen. In the fullness of God's love. In the fullness of God's grace. Why did you trust her to the doctors? Why did you not pray and trust her to God? Violation of reasonable expectation could Mary's expectation have been any more violated than by an empty tomb and by a gardener who ended up being Jesus Jesus spoke her name she heard it she recognized the risen Christ the grace that was a part of that moment. Professor Tom Long, who I had the opportunity, I've heard him uh, preach over a number of experiences uh, in seminars that I've been to. He's also a professor at Candler School of Theology at Emory. Tom Long recounted this story in one of his uh, sermons that I heard about a friend of his in Atlanta, Georgia, some years ago, early 90s, before cell phones were widely in use. Uh, he, this pastor, Sam was his name, he was at a church, his church, it was his anniversary, uh, he had called his wife, she was to meet him at the church, and they were going out for an anniversary celebration, anniversary dinner, and his wife came, they left the church, but as soon as they, they got out onto the sidewalk, uh, Sam immediately recognized there was a crisis in, in process, in progress. Uh, there was an elderly woman that was on the sidewalk and uh, was bending over uh, her husband who had collapsed on the sidewalk. Sam immediately told his wife to go back in the church and call for an ambulance, and Sam went over to the man, and it was clear that the man was in great distress. And uh, Sam 
asked if there was anything that, that he might do. And the man's name was Charlie, or the man's uh, son's name was Charlie. And he asked, as he asked Sam, he said, uh, he said simply these words, Charlie, forgive me. And Sam didn't know who Charlie was at that particular moment. He was to find out later who Charlie was. But he said to the man, I'm, I'm not, not Charlie, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking. And, and almost in that, in that moment, the man clutched his chest and lurched again, and, and Sam knew that this man was not going to, uh, to make it. He was not going to survive until the ambulance got there. And so the man, again, looking up in Sam's eyes, said with his, his breath... Uh, almost gone. Charlie, forgive me. And Sam, not knowing what else to do, put his hand on the man's head and simply said, I forgive you. And the man, just a few moments later, passed away. Now Sam was to find out that Charlie was not only this man's son, but was a son that he had not seen for two decades, had been estranged from his son for who knows what reason. And Sam said he, he questioned uh, himself, should I have granted forgiveness? Should I have spoken those words, I forgive? The last words that the man had, would, would ever hear on this earth. And he determined that that's really part of our Christian faith. That is our Christian faith. That is who we are. As people of grace, as people who are loved by God, who are forgiven by God, and who are called by God, revealed in Christ Jesus to be forgiving of each other. He said, uh, Sam, I came, came to peace with that moment. As an unexpected moment, but a moment of grace, God's grace. Well, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, doing what all of us would do, weeping, because she's lost somebody that she loved, that she cared about, ready to do the, the right thing, if you will, prepare Jesus' body for burial and, and her sense of reasonable expectation is blown completely out of the water. And perhaps somewhere for her and for the disciples uh, these words of Jesus spoken before he ever went to the cross spoken to say farewell to his disciples. Perhaps these words rang true in her ears. From the 16th chapter of John, verse 22. So you have pain now, but I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. No one 
will take your joy from you. I'll see you again. He calls us by name. You may not recognize him, but listen for your name. He calls you by name. Your hearts will rejoice. Don't let anybody take that joy from you. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the mercy and grace, love and forgiveness that we know through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that Jesus came to us in the power of the resurrection to love us, to assure us, to say, fear not, peace be with you, to call us by name. God, we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Let me invite you to turn in your hymnals, invite you to stand as you are able as we sing our hymn of commitment, Christ Arose.